Today, I'm going to preach on the, the most important commandment. Three points, the most important commandment. That, of course, is in Mark chapter 12. And the most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. You know, the first thing is, Hear, O Israel. And that in Hebrew is known as the Shema. Shema is to hear. Hear what? Something God is saying. He has something to say. So hear. And this Shema, this Hear, O Israel, is Shema Israel, is recited every day in every synagogue, twice. Twice every day. It's important. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O church. God has something to say. And we are going to look into that. Second point is that be secure in God's love. Right? If we fail here in this point number two, we will fail everywhere. If you're not secure in the love of God, we are going to find the Christian walk difficult. We are going to find the Christian life difficult. Even if you're not a Christian, you're going to find life difficult. Because there are fears. There are temptations. There are uncertainties. Political uncertainties, financial, economic uncertainties, life uncertainties, marriage uncertainties. And so we need to be secure. And if we fail in being secure, we are going to come a cropper. So it's important. And the third point, of course, is obeying the most important commandment. How do we love God with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength? All right, so let me start with the second point because I've already spoken about the first point. The first point was Euro Israel. I said that, right? That's the most important commandment. The second point is be secure in God's love. And so in this point, be secure in God's love. Uh, I want to talk about three things the wondrous love of God for us, the intensity of God's love for us, and the core truth that transform us, transforms us. All right? So three points. So let's start with the wondrous love of God for us. Despite the depravity of man. Depravity means we are utterly rebellious. We are utterly rebellious. We are utterly selfish. There is nothing good in us, right? Everything, even the good works that we do, has got a selfish motive, you know? All right. So we are utterly depraved. Now, I want to start with a story, a true story. Well, many years ago, 
this was when I first started the ministry, and we were looking for a hall, you know, and, uh, and we were a church that could not afford much. We were living with, we were ministering to people from difficult backgrounds, poor backgrounds, etc. So anyway, we wanted to find a hall, and in Bombay, to find a hall is very difficult and very expensive. Anyway, by God's grace, we found a hall. But there were problems in that hall, right? So we, we worshipped there for a while, but we realized there were some big problems. Of course, the plaster was falling all around the place. It was not painted. It was dirty. But the most difficult thing about that hall was it had one toilet, and that toilet was jammed. Completely jammed. I mean, so that's why we got the hall, you know? <laughs> anyway, so I it said, okay, I'll get the toilet clean. I mean, find somebody to unblock that toilet. And so we found somebody. Then he came back to me and he says, oh, that problem is big. I said, what's the big problem? He says, it is not jammed over here. It is the whole pipe right up to the road is jammed. I said, oh my gosh. He says, but don't worry. I'll get it done. I said, how? He says, that's, I'll get it done. And so he got a group of workers. Oh man. Can you imagine the whole pipe, big solid pipe, right, maybe 20 feet, and he unclogged it. Oh my gosh, what a thing he did. He unclogged it. And we could worship. But what a job. About 10 years of potty inside, inside. 10 years, can you imagine? Oh, horrible. I know you're someone trying to close nose and everything, but you're imagining it. I'm glad you know. So you can imagine that took place. And it's a fact, it's the story, it's true. And then we could worship, we could, we could paint that hall later on and this and that. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, there are a few things that I meditate on. And I meditate on, what did Jesus get so terrified in the Garden of Gethsemane? In the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Lord, and he sweated blood. He says, I, I, I don't want to take this cup. But not my will, but thy will be done. And what was that that made him sweat blood? And the Bible doesn't say that. In fact, nobody was there except the Lord and the angels. I mean, nobody else was there. The apostles were sleeping. So Jesus must have told them, I sweated blood after he was resurrected. But what did he sweat blood about? He knew he had to die on the cross. Of course, the whipping and this and that was terrible. So this is something which I offer you. I don't say that this is gospel truth, but in my meditations, I was thinking that Jesus took the filth. You know, it was not one pipe that he cleaned. He cleaned all the pipes from Adam, yours and mine. We are all clogged up. And he took all that filth upon himself because it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that, so that our pipes were cleaned. 
our pipes are cleaned of all the filth. It was clogged, and I know my pipe. I know my pipe. Before I gave my heart to Jesus, I know my pipe, and I know he cleansed me. And if there is people over here who haven't got their pipes cleansed, Jesus says, look, I love you. I love you. I don't want to clean your pipe because, you know, with your pipe jammed, you're never going to be comfortable in your life. You're never going to have a right relationship with me. Your pipe is jammed. And jammed with filth. Jammed with filth. And he did it. And he cleansed all the pipes, you know. And that's what he was sweating in the Garden of Eden. He sweated the Garden of Gethsemane. He sweated blood. He sweated blood. He said, I can't do it. And the father says, I'm sorry, son. You've got to do it. He says, okay, he says. I mean, which father would say that? To his son who had no sin. Which father? But God did it because he loved us. He knew that something had to be changed in our hearts. And I'm also thinking about the, see, the father loves us so much that he sacrificed the darling of heaven. You know, when we break bread and we drink that blood, it meant such a lot. It means so much. I mean, you know, it means so much. God's love, he clenched my pipe. He clenched that I would have the righteousness of God. Nothing spotless. Oh God, I give you thanks how much you love us. And that's the Father's love. You know, but I'm also thinking of Jesus. In the 33 years that he was on earth, he was spotless. But he could see everybody's sin. And he had patience with everyone. He could see everything. He could see our hypocrisy. Not mine. Those people, those apostles, his relatives, his friends, his villagers. He could see all the hypocrisy. He could see all the filth in their hearts. He knew. And he had patience because he says, you know, I want to pay for your sin. I want to die for your sin. He had patience. And then he, of course, I mean, what love he had. Even when he was dying on the cross, he told the prisoner, the sinner, or the murderer behind, on the next cross, he says, he says, this day you will be with me in paradise. He says, I want to cleanse your sin, even as he was in the love of Jesus. And I think of him. I say, God, how much you love us. What wondrous love. What wondrous love. And the Holy Spirit. I mean, he went up and he sent the Holy Spirit so that our pipes would be cleansed all the time because he said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. And then in Ezekiel 36, verses 26, 27, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And then the Holy Spirit is in us. And what patience He has with me. Oh man, what patience. What patience He has with you. And the patience of Jesus is in the patience of the Holy Spirit. And I, I oh my gosh, He's there in me. And every walk, every step, every word, I say, oh God, I'm aware. 
you're patient with me. And you know, all He wants to do is to keep on cleansing us and keep on making us like Jesus. So, I am now, and you and I are now, you see, we are in this fellowship of the wondrous love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, you know, I'm always challenged to receive that love. Because what do you do when someone wants to give you a gift? All you can do is to receive it. All you can do is to receive God's love, God's love. But I want to tell you also about the intensity of that love. And so, the love of God between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the love, is so intense between them. It's a holy love. It's a fire. A fire. A love of passion between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from eternity to eternity. It's holy fire. Everything about God is holiness. His love is holiness. And His holiness is like a fire. So His love is like a fire. Loving Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons in one God. Absolutely united. When Jesus comes and tells us, in John 15, 9, He says, you know, that love, that intensity of the love that the Father loves me, I have loved you. I have loved you. That intensity, the intensity of God's love is, I have loved you. And Jesus prays that you will understand that intensity because it's so important. So he prays in John 17, 26. He says, that the love which you, the Father, loved me, maybe in them. I pray that. I pray that they will understand that. That the love that you have, that intensity of love that you have for me, that love may be in them. In Romans 5, 5, it says, the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, that's the intensity that holy love that He has for us. And the Holy Spirit is in us with that intense love for you and for me. And so we say, oh man, I'm in awe. I'm in awe in every walk, in every world. I'm in awe of Him. Uh, he embraces me with holy love. And all I can do is to pray. And Paul prays. I want to tell you what Paul prays. Paul prays that you might realize how much God loves you. Ephesians chapter 3. Okay, listen. Ephesians chapter 3. And I pray that you, being rooted, rooted, and established in love, may have power, together with all the God's holy people, to grasp how wide, how long, and high, and deep, is the love of Christ, and to know that this love surpasses understanding that you may be filled to the measure, oh, to the measure of the fullness of God. You may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. What a prayer. I want to talk about this prayer a little bit more so that you are secure in the love of God.
Rooted. Rooted, you know. And I pray that you being rooted. Rooted is to be rooted in God's love. So in Psalms, you know, in Psalm 1 verse 3, it's not given here, but your roots must go deep. Rooted means your roots must go deep, and that tree whose roots are deep will be forever fruitful. So rooted as the result would be fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. If you are rooted in God's love, he says you are already, if you have given your heart to Jesus, you're already, your roots are there, but let it go deep. Keep on going deep. Say, God, I know you will love me. I know you will love me. We're going to look at that. Because otherwise you can't love God. If you fail here, you fail everywhere. It's important. And be rooted in God's love. Let it go deep. Everyone, 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 everyone. Let it go deep. Remember, your pipes are clean. Your pipes are clean by Jesus. Just be rooted in His love. Because then you will be fruitful. And established. Established means grounded. Or grounded means foundation. Let your foundations be firm. He says, don't build your house on sand. Build your house on a good foundation. That's me. And the storms might come. The winds might blow. But the house that is built on that foundation will be stable. So rooted and established means fruitful and secure. Come what may. In God's love. In God's love. And I pray that he says, I pray that you might grasp it. Grasp it. Not comprehend it, but apprehend it. Comprehend it is in the mind. Apprehend it is to get hold of it. And this word grasp is a very good translation. Get hold of this love. Get hold of God's love. Your pipes are clean. Your pipes are cleaned by Jesus. Get hold of his love. He says, oh man, get hold of his love. Be secure in his love. That you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. That you're going to be filled, right? God's love wants to fill every empty space in your heart. You know, in nature, there is never a vacuum. You cannot find a vacuum in nature. Because the moment there is a vacuum, then the air rushes into that. That's how you get storms and all. There's a low-pressure region. But you'll never find a vacuum in nature. The air rushes in, or the water rushes in, but there's no vacuum. God doesn't want you to have a vacuum in your heart. An empty space in your heart. He wants to fill. You see, your pipes are clean. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And so be established. Be rooted in His love. And when you are established and rooted in His love, you will find it three things. I mean, you can find a thousand and one things, really. But you can find it easy to connect with God in prayer. Because you know He loves you. I mean, you sit before Him. He looks at you. He says, I love you. And when you look at His love, you can connect with God in prayer. For me, that's a wondrous thing. Wondrous to connect. I know that God hears my cry. I know He hears me. 
I can cut, and he loves me. And I'm rooted and established in his love, and nothing can shake me. You will be able to keep on building your foundation. You will be able to trust God, and you will find peace. He will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. And you won't be insecure and easily shaken by the criticisms of the world. I mean, the world criticizes you. You're fat. You're short. You don't look nice. You're not good in your job. The world is full of criticisms. But you won't be shaken it because you are established and secure in God's love. Here. Oh, no, this is the core truth. Now listen carefully. This is the core truth. We will not love God more or we will not love anybody more by trying harder, but by seeing more of His love. The more you see His love, the more you can love God and love your neighbor. That's the core truth which I'm trying to get at. If you're secure in this place, you will pass everywhere. If you're insecure in this place, it doesn't matter whether you have got whatever degrees you have, whatever job you have, you will fail in the basic attitude of love. We must succeed here. And every day for me is a challenge because I want to succeed. I want to be rooted in God's love. And out of being rooted in God's love, I can. You see, the other things are important. Family is important. Job is important. All these are important things. And we, we pursue them. But if you don't pursue this, you will fail there. You won't be satisfied here. So, what is the measure of success? The measure of success is that you are rooted and established in God's love. That you are loved by God and you're the lover of God. If you're, if you're successful here, these things will flow. It will flow. I'm not saying you'll get a good job. What I'm saying is you'll be able to be a blessing in that place. Wherever you are, you will be successful. You will you will release the fragrance of Christ everywhere. And deep down in your heart, you will have that security and love. So, so this is the core truth. You know, and the core truth is this. We are loved of God. And this, we are lovely in His sight. And we are valuable. We are his inheritance. He loves you. He has inherited you because of what Jesus has done. And we can love ourselves for who God made us. You don't have to worry how fat we are, how short we are, or whatever is our physical, mental, emotional failings. We are still loved of God. We are loved. We can stop being conscious of ourselves. We will be set free to respond to God with love. We will be set free to respond to others with love. All right, so let's now come to 
the point which I wanted, which obeying the most important commandment. Most important commandment. Before that, I just want to pray. I, I just want to pray that, you see, that you will be established in God's love. And, and that the Holy Spirit will get hold of your heart. Can you imagine? The Holy Spirit getting hold of your heart. Oh, man, wow. I pray, Lord, that you will get hold of our hearts in this church. I pray that each one, the love we would understand, that we will yield to you. And Lord, I pray this, that we will yield to you, Lord, each one here, and that you will get hold of our hearts, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, God. We thank you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, obeying the most important commandment, love God with all your heart. Love God with all your mind. Love God with all your strength. Love God with all your soul. All, 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 all. 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 You know when we pay taxes? You say, okay, this is on you. I put this money there. I got this money there. <laughs> Remaining is mine. <laughs> it's mine. God. All. All. You understand the meaning of all now? Yeah, very easy. Very easy. Everything. 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 Yours. Surrender. All your heart. Okay? All. Everything. So, love God with all your heart. God the first one, God wants to set our hearts intentionally by loving Jesus as our primary life goal. We have primary life goal. What is the primary life goal that we have? To get married, that our son will be graduate, this thing. We have, we have goals. But our primary love goal is to love God wholeheartedly. That's our primary love goal. And God wants you to set your heart. You know what's the meaning of set your heart? I want it, Lord. I'm going to go after it. This is my primary life goal. Psalm 91 verse 14. Because he has set his heart upon me, because he has set his heart upon me. I, I think I'm communicating. Love God with all your heart. He says, if because you have set your heart upon me, I will deliver him. Eh? So that's our primary life goal. Uh, David, King David said that. He says, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing. One, I've set my heart on that. One thing have I desired, and that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He says, one thing. In Matthew 6, 33, he says, seek, seek you first. Set your heart on that, the kingdom of God. And all the secondary goals will be added unto you. There are, there are goals in our life. But all the other things will find its proper place. Right? Of course, if we set our hearts on loving Jesus, we also will set our hearts on loving His body, that is the church. 
Right? That's given in the book, in the Psalms. Psalm 16, verse 2 and 3. He says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. That's it. I've set my heart. Huh? I say of the holy people who are in the land, these are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. So if you love the Lord, you will love his church. You will love his bride. You will love the people around you. When you come to church and you are worshipping the Lord, eyes must be open to see how the body of Christ is. And then you can pick up people who are in difficulties. And, and, and you have got to pray for them. See, God, I pray this is the body that you have put me in. And I want to be sensitive to the body. Uh, because I love you and I love your body. Amen. All right. Loving Jesus with all our hearts must include loving and obeying his word. John 14, verse 15, he says, If you love me, if you love me with all your heart, keep my commandments. You can't love Jesus and not his word because Jesus is the word of God. You can't separate these two. So if you say, I love you, Jesus, but disobeying God's word, you're not loving him with all your heart. So if you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, verse 23, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Right? So, loving God means loving His church. Loving God means loving His word and obeying His word. So we come. We come to loving God with all our minds. Right? Loving God with all our minds. Three points. The language of the mind is in images. See, we, we got computers. Many of you are computer engineers over here. The language of computers is what? C++, this, that, 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 that. We all know the different languages. The language of the mind, this is a computer. What is the language of the mind? Images. And from there, we get imaginations. So we are people with imaginations. Right? Loving God with all your mind. This is, this is very important. This is very important. Loving God with all your mind is to submit this image. You say, God, I want to, I want to love you with all my mind. I don't, want to, I don't want to entertain any negative thought. I'll bring every thought captivity to you. I can direct my thoughts. I don't have to be lazy and allow my thoughts to run wild. I can direct, I want to love you with all my mind. All my mind. My imaginations. What we do with our mind will affect our ability to give and receive love. What we do with our mind will affect it. Romans 8, 5 to 6. Those who live according to the flesh, those who live according to the flesh, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. 
Your mind is set. But those who live according to the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. Wow, 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 wow. This is not the Holy Spirit that has shaken me. It's something else. Okay. Set. So you can set your mind. And you can bring every thought captive. Captive. You know, it's so, so difficult. So difficult. Stop making nakra. All right? Your pipes are clean because Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. All right? And the Holy Spirit is in you. If you want any complaints, go to Him. And I don't know whether He will entertain your complaints. I don't think, I don't believe He will do that. Right. Now listen, the third point. I just want to tell you something about this mind. I know that Jesus is coming soon. And I'll tell you why I know He's coming soon. Because the devil knows it. And one thing the devil is doing is to corrupt the mind. You know, the flood of pornography that is going on in the world. You go to any small village in India, any small village in India, or in any part of the world, pornography is moving on the internet. Pornography is corrupting the bride of Christ. He's corrupting the bride of Christ. Pornography is in the church. He's corrupting the holy bride of Christ because Jesus is coming soon and he knows his time is up. He doesn't want the bride to be beautiful. He wants to corrupt the bride. The flood of pornography is moving. You can't love Jesus with all your mind if those images are vile. Okay, let us look at the scriptures. Revelations chapter 14, verse 8. A second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. In the ESV, English Standard Version, instead of the maddening wine of her adulteries, the passion of her sexual immorality. Revelation 17, verse 1 and 2. One of the seven angels who had seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters with her kings, with her, the kings of the earth, committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her sexual immorality. You were intoxicated. Revelation 18, verse 3. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries or the passion of her sexual immorality. All the nations. It's gone to every village. Jesus is coming soon. And the devil wants to corrupt the bride. Father God, I just pray, Lord God, that your word will take root in our lives. That we will be a People that who is spotless, oh God, without wrinkle, without stain, waiting for you. Lord, cleanse our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Loving God with all your strength and coming close. Loving God with all your strength. See, our natural tendency 
is to use our strength. What is our strength? Physical energy, of course. Time is there. Money is there. Talents are there. Words are there. Influence are there. These are all our strengths. But we use our strengths first to increase our honor. We use our strengths to first increase our comfort, our influence. But then, we want to use our strength. We want to express our love for God by saying, Lord, all the things that you have given me, I want to use it for your glory. I told you, all, all for your glory. Now, strength is also serving, serving in the church, serving elsewhere. People are serving in different NGOs and all, but you're serving because of Jesus. You're serving God because you love God. And God sees everything you serve. And I'm telling you, He notices it because you do it in His name. You're serving God with your strength. You're serving God with your giving. You serve God by giving things because, you see, that money, you could hold it to increase your influence. But you're saying, okay, God, I want to give. I want to be a blessing. I want to be a blessing. You can serve God as we pray. Because that's part of our strength. Instead of doing something, we want to pray to God. We serve, we serve God with our strength when we forgive. And when we bless those who persecute us, we bless them. That's all given in Matthew chapter 6. But we serve God in our fasting. Our fasting is saying, God, I want to give this part of my strength to you. I want to. It makes everything effective. Say, God, I know uh, I can enjoy myself, my comfort, but I want to put a thing aside. And so a fasting lifestyle, a regular lifestyle of fasting is something that offers God your strength. And loving God with all your soul, we're coming to the end. Loving God with all your soul, I said loving God with all your heart, set your heart. Loving God with all your mind, and I said, be careful of the imaginations. Set your, set your heart to love the Lord with all your minds. At all, loving God with all your strength. Be a giver. Be a server. Serve. Be a giver. Be a man of prayer, woman of prayer. Be a person who can fast and say, fast, okay, Lord. I pray for the people in the church. I'll fast for them. I'll fast for them because they love you and you love them. And loving you is to love them. Whatever. But loving God with all your soul, our soul is our identity, our personality. Our identity is how we see ourselves and is determined how we define our success. Our identity is how we see ourselves and is determined by how we define our success. How do we define our success? 
That's our identity. Our soul speaks of our personality and our sense of identity. As Christians, we should not be defined either by our failures or by our accomplishments. Either by our failures or by our accomplishments. We should not be defined. Uh, if a girl comes and says, you know, how are you? you know, are you married? No, I'm a divorcee. You're not defined by being a divorcee. That's not how you, who you are. You're a child of God. That's what defines you. That's what defines you. You're not defined by your successes. You're not defined by your failures. You're defined by who you are in Christ. And that's our identity. As Christians, our spiritual identity, what we look like to God. And he doesn't say, you're a failure. So you're my beloved. Instead of merely defining ourselves by what we look to the world. Okay? We shouldn't define ourselves by what we look to the world. We define ourselves by what we look to God. That's my challenge. That's your challenge. Summarizing, and I'm closing. I give you the word of God. Luke chapter 16, verse 15. Luke chapter 16, verse 15. He said to them, You are the ones that justify yourselves in the eyes of men. You are the ones whose identity is according to what others say about you. But God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in this God's sight. If you, want to, if you want to define your success by the eyes of man, Jesus is telling us, I know your heart. I know where you set your heart. I can see it, but I can tell you one thing. I detest it. That's according to God's word. Set your identity in how God sees you and live by that. He has cleansed your pipes. He has given his life for you. He loves you passionately. He loves you with a great intensity. And the Holy Spirit resides in you. And he loves you with a holy fire. And I pray, my brothers and sisters, that that will be important to you every moment of your life. We're coming to the end of the year and we're starting a new year. You can spend your time in the next one week thinking about your life and saying, God, I want to reset. I want to reset my life. I want to reset. I want to reset my definition of success. I want to reset my definition of my identity. I want to reset it, Lord, and I want to reset my heart for you. Amen?